Yo, and welcome to the 23rd episode of Lake of Rage, a Pokemon trading card game podcast. I am your host, as always, Kevin Clementi, aka Mellow underscore Magikarp. And I'm joined today by two very special temporary guest hosts. I'm excited for this one because we haven't had either of these on, these two individuals on. I mean, obviously we had the team podcast, right? But neither of you have been on for a while other than that team podcast. So we, we have uh, Zach, aka Senior Doom. What's up? And we have Greg, aka Gamer Allo. Hello. So today we're going to talk a little bit about our initial thoughts on Evolving Skies, and then we're actually going to dive mostly into Pokemon Unite a bit. We've been playing it. I assume a handful of you listening to this have been playing it as well, and if not, we're going to try and convince you why it's a, a good use of your time right now. And then we'll, as always, get into some questions from Twitch chat. We are live on twitch.tv slash mellow underscore Magikarp. So Zach, how's your week been? It's been okay. It's been a lot of Unite, um, a little bit of TCG, uh, going all over the ranks in Unite from anywhere from great to ultra within like a day. So it's been quite fun. Nice. <laughs> and also I have to give a shout out. Was that technically this week? It was technically within the last week. Uh, me, you, and Nikhil, Evie, all got together to play some old formats. Some 2010, some, some Obama Snow flying flip. <laughs> I know it's not his name, but that was fun. That was, that a, was actually a lot of fun. I agree. I really enjoyed 2010, like a lot, a lot. There were just, it's this really cool thing in game where I'm not sure you've probably played the format, right? Oh, yeah, that's the I made it with Titar Prime in Worlds 2010 as a junior. Oh geez, you've been playing longer than <laughs> I realize. Well, I I stopped between like when I went to like middle school, so like for four-ish years. Oh, okay. I, I really wish I didn't quit though. I, I kind of missed out on a lot. There were some good formats in that time, and also Toad Trump Card, which is a a format mm -hmm. <laughs> but a uh, 2010 was a lot of fun one of the cool things and something that i wish would happen now is a there's like very very little gust i can't say no gust because people are going to be like but what about but in reality most decks didn't play any gust and you had setup pokemon so you have like uh what was it the spiritomb the spiritomb for no energies evolved one of your benched pokemon and mm -hmm. item locked your opponent which is just like Wow, I can slow the game down and evolve my Pokemon. Or you had stuff like Chatot. Chatot for no energies was uh, essentially copycat for an attack. Which is just great. Attach your active, retreat to the Chatot, and just keep drawing cards until you eventually set up. And if your opponent KOs you, they KO a Chatot, which doesn't do anything except help you set up. So it was a lot of fun. Greg, how's your week been? been pretty well i've been doing a lot of unite like doom i've gotten a ton of games in but just trying to push up higher just solo queuing and it's really difficult <laughs> all of the people that get the masters solo queuing i just i can't understand it they must have insane teammates in luck like it's crazy We'll get deeper into the trials and tribulations of solo queue here in a little bit, because I think all of us have experienced about the same, and most people listening to this have probably experienced the same stuff for it. 
But uh, before we get into some of the Unite stuff, let's talk about Evolving Skies. So pre-release has started this past weekend. I don't know, did any of you do a pre-release? Sadly, no. I have not, no. Okay, me neither. Tabletop only had 20 spots, and I was like, I kind of want to, because all four of the promos are really good. It's the three Galarian Birds and Flaffy, which makes it like, oh, that's worth my entry fee, right? But with only 20 kits, it was like, oh, someone who actually wants to go should probably get the spot instead of me, who's just like, this seems okay. So I ended up not doing it. But, yeah, I'll definitely say I miss pre-release oh, because yeah. of the format for that. It was just so much fun, so chaotic. It's such a fun, yeah, it's because it's limited formats are enjoyable. It's one of the reasons why the gym leader challenge has been fun. It's one of the reasons why like I play theme deck when I'm just like bored and don't want to try too hard, but want to play Pokemon. Like these just like very limited formats just take you back to the root of the game of like single prizers smacking into each other, evolving all this other stuff. But uh, we're running into Evolving Skies pretty soon then. So pre-releases have started. You've seen people posting their polls. They're getting the Altart Rayquaza or whatever and posting it to Twitter for the sweet, sweet clout. Uh, are there any cards from Evolving Skies that either of you are particularly excited for or particularly unexcited for? Uh, definitely the Galarian Moltres single one because mm -hmm. I've been dabbling around in Dark Box and having that as as like a quicker energy acceleration over trying to find red and blue, it, it excites me. Like, I'm okay, great. So now Dark Box made me fine. But has that actual little bit of kick, kick to consistency. Not to take it from like, like say tier 1.5 all the way up into tier 1. Mm -hmm. Greg, what about you? Yeah, I, I agree with the Galarian Maltrace because I've been enjoying Dark Box a lot this format, but not... Looking like past this format because I'm not too fond of playing this format anymore. <laughs> uh, the Umbreon I know is going to make a huge impact uh, post rotation. Really easy gust effect. Not sure if I'm going to like it or not. Just to see how easy it is to get it out. But boss is already pretty easy to get out with Drizzile. So I don't. I mean, gust is going to be still really strong and easy to find with both options now. Yeah, both of those are definitely just like really strong cards. I am a big fan of Dark Box. It's currently my number one pick for Pog, but uh, that might change because it seems like it's starting to see higher play in online tournaments now. People are aware of the Moltres being good and I'm not playing mirror matches where I can't outplay people. So it's my number one pick for Pog, but odds are... If everyone else plays it, I'll play something else. The Umbreon is just gross, probably. Like, Lycanroc GX felt fair, right? But Lycanroc GX was a, a little different where you didn't have to set up with a stage 2 into a stage 3. That could just get gusted and KO'd. So, like you said, I don't know if I'm going to love it or hate it, but it's going to be good. Like, there's no doubt about that. Anyone who tells you Umbreon isn't a good card doesn't know Pokemon. <laughs> it's a... That's a pretty simple one there. I'm super excited for Raihan, which is the supporter card. Uh, if one of your Pokemon is knocked out last turn, attach a basic energy from your discard pile to one of your Pokemon, and then search your deck for a card and put it into your hand. I feel like that's just so powerful, right? It's energy acceleration. It's one of the few pieces of energy acceleration single prizers can get, which is nice. And searching your deck for any card is incredibly powerful. Like, there has to be some sort of low maintenance deck out there 
that only couldn't survive because, you know, maybe it was a two energy attacker. And now it's like, well, Drizzle for Raihan lets you get the second energy on there, lets you grab whatever it is you need. You don't have to just vomit research everywhere. I'm such a fan of the card. I really hope that card's going to be playable in something. Yeah, it feels like it's going to be like, um, I just forgot her name from Cosmic Eclipse, uh, Rosa. Rosa. Where it'll see play in certain decks and make some, obviously, like you're saying, make some of them a little bit more consistent. I think a deck like Sableye and Talion actually could use that because finding that any card you can even find the energy switch to switch off your, your Galarian Malt Trace and even get it in one turn. And you don't have to worry about experience share because they could just boss KO it anyways. I mean, I, w I hope it helps it a little bit, but it's still a really fringe deck that needs a lot to get going. That's an interesting... I didn't even think of that. A card like Sableye that's been literally unplayable because of the two dark energy costs. Like, E-Turn played it for a little while and it was like kind of a Luke Metal tech, but you also just hope they didn't boss Brave Blade it. So I wonder what other cards it might be able to make playable. Because like the Inteleon engine means you can play a niche supporter like that. And then, it, I don't know. I'm, I'm excited for that card. I just think there's just too much good stuff that it can. Uh, the other one, and anyone who watched my, what's it called? My set review on YouTube. I'm excited for Jump Bluff uh, with the Raihan engine. But there's just like so much you can do with it. Get wrecked in Discord. I have to give him credit for this. It's talked about the gloves. So you can play with like the gloves that do 30 more. So you're now hitting for, I think it's 90 twice. So you're able to hit for 180 for one energy, essentially, which is pretty good. Uh, I was talking about a spread version with a scroll of waves. Whatever the spread scroll is, it's 30 to everything. But with the Simeon, it's 60 to everything. That is a V or V max. And you can attack twice, so it's 120 to all V and V max every turn if you can chain it, which uh, you can with Raihan for the Rapid Strike energy plus an attach. So I'm I'm all for it. I want it to work. It's not gonna work, but what if it does? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, people thought Catterday wouldn't work for the longest time, and now look look at where it's at. Bro, I just lost to a Catterday on ladder. I know. With I watched that. <laughs> Who plays three escape ropes in Catterday? <laughs> Shout out to them. They outplayed me. Good, good for them. But uh, I think we're all in the same phase of like this format. It's not that it's bad. It's just it's done. I think we yeah, can all kind I, of agree. I think we're all tired of, tired of tag teams by now. It's been what? two years. I love tag teams. They go boom. What more do you want? <laughs> boom. Yeah, none of this we, we, all, we all miss Pikaram. You know, as soon as Pika Rom's out of the format, everybody hates it. I mean, I miss Pika Rom. One day, maybe. Although I do remember last Pog, since we were just talking about it, I was like, this is my last run with Pika Rom. I'm just going to go ahead and play it. And it turned out that was not the last run for Pika Rom whatsoever. That was really exciting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was the first player's cup for me, too. I'm like, let's take it in. This will be it. It's the last hurrah. And the next format, I'm still playing it. And then the next format after that. Good forever. You'll love to see it. Yeah, I mean... One card, that, yeah. uh, one card that's interesting to me, though, from Evolving Skies, looking through the list, is Rescue Trolley. Ooh, what for? Like, if you... 
Uh, because Drizzle's only 90, and if you have to discard them early, you can pull them. It, it's almost like a, it's like a rod with just grabbing straight across. Like, it's not worth playing a 4 of, but maybe a 1 of with a rod as, like, an alternate option. That's a card I've considered. Unfortunately, I don't think I can play Spiritomb for Pog, because Rapid Strike Urshifu is going to be a very popular deck, but it's a card I've considered because, like, you rarely need to recycle your energy, right? And you're just like, right. two tombs back, please, which is ridiculous, because then you don't have to search for them. You don't have to do anything. You're just like, cool, bench, bench, start building spite. We're good to go. So it's definitely a card on my radar as well. Yeah. It's a shame. Other decks. Just, I don't know, man. G-Max Rapid Flows are really good. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's... <laughs> I can't play anything with less than 120 HP in the future. But uh, next week, we're going to talk more about post-rotation. Let's not get into Urshifu bodying the whole format quite yet. Although it's pretty close. Shout out to uh, Alex Shemansky for winning the Players' Cup Invitational with Rapid Strike Urshifu, including beating Azul's Shadow Rider, which is very impressive. It's one of those things where like you're like, oh yeah, Alex beat people in Players' Cup 4 because he's just a better player, right? But he beat Azul. Azul is a very good player. Though it seems like the matchup's not as miserable as we thought it was. Yeah, I agree. Like, I'm, there's some people I've talked to that said they've even pulled the Jirachi entirely and just run it and just go. It's like, but you can use that space for something better to beat the matchup. Thoughts, Greg? Yeah, I think event, at first you're like, oh, Psychic Week, yeah. If they have to even put the Gengar in play, that gives them an easy three prizes later with maybe Gale Thrust plus Rapid Flow or Double Rapid Flow, and they just kill one VMAX and win. Oh, yeah. So I think we've all been kind of going with uh, not playing too much of the TCG lately. And I know you two more than me. I've been playing mm -hmm. a lot of Unite. So... First off, why? Tell anyone who might be listening to this who hasn't gotten the game yet. Why do you enjoy playing Pokemon Unite? Why have you put down the TCG and picked up this free-to-play MOBA? I don't even know what MOBA stands for. Put it one way, it feels like I'm playing Pokemon like how I imagined as a kid, where I'm controlling the Pokemon and fighting itself. Mm -hmm. So like, I'm enjoying that aspect of it. Um, so that's one, one reason. The other is like, I, I get competitive and right now it has a ranked ladder. So going into ranking and seeing how well I'm doing against people really kind of scratches that itch that I, I'm not getting with the TCG right now, especially without like any sort of official events. Yeah, I have similar thoughts as well. Uh, it gets me the like competitive, like into the spirit because these the online tournaments, they were at first, I'm like, these are really cool. I'm going to compete in them. But now they're just getting old and the format's getting older. And it's just, it's more fun to play like something like Pokemon Unite because I haven't really played a MOBA before. It's my first experience. It's a Pokemon one. So obviously, I'm going to try it out. And then I'm really liking it and ranting about my solo queue teammates. <laughs> so. 
What rank are both of you? I'm I'm vibing an expert too, so I'm still trash. But where are you two at? I'm ultra class two right now. With my topped out, I was ultra class four. So I'm almost getting there. It's ranting about solo teammates and how others have done it. I'm just starting to figure that out. Yeah, I started at ultra class one this morning, and I got like three bad teams in a row and I was back to expert, but I managed to get back to ultra again. So it's just a seesaw on where you really fall and what time of day you get the good teammates and whatever. <laughs> yeah. It's trying to keep, you have to keep about a 55 to 60% win rate to go up the ladder, which like my last 20 games was that, but then my last 10, 10 was more like a four, was like 50 so like that's where i like i stalled a little bit who do you mean uh currently snorlax actually <laughs> nice greg what about you um, i have to usually carry the team with like cinderace usually if i can get jungle and then i'm fine with nine tails or crustle as well because a lot of teams or like, uh, we don't need a defender or support. So I'm just like, I guess I'll go Crustle, sure. That's actually why I started Snorlax maining, was because we never had a defender. And then I started ganking everyone's kills with the giant butt drop and knocking people around with the wall, and I realized how much more fun this was, and then stealing the Zapdos, and so now, so now I'm more of a Snorlax main. I love Lax. I, yeah, I've been playing Lax since the start, and it's definitely super fun. I've run into the exact opposite issue of both of you, though, where a lot of my queues in ranked, especially yesterday, there was always one or two defenders already on the team and like another support mon. And it was just like, cool, someone took my Ninetales, which is my number two. There's already like two defenders on the team. So it's like, uh, I guess I'm going to jungle, which I'm god awful at. Like, I'm already like not very good, but it's like, you don't want me in the jungle. Like, <laughs> my Greninja's not good. And so I've run into the exact opposite where it's like, bro, if people need a defender, I got you. I'm going to be the, a great Snorlax. But, uh, ooh, I hate running into those teams that are just like, hey, how about we do Slowbro, Crustal, and Eldegoss? And it's like, uh, no. Okay. <laughs> I think we lose then because I'm not going to score that much. <laughs> it really, Eldegoss is such a hard character to master. And like you do need to play a lot of it to get to get good at it. And a lot of people who play it unranked don't seem to play it that often and are just doing it because someone else took their main already. Yeah. I do have to admit, I've had a lot of very good Eldegoss experiences. Like the ones who realize, like, hey, you know, again, I main Snorlax, so it's a very easy way to play with an Eldegoss. The Goss just like stays behind me the whole time and heals me. And it's like, bro, I love a good Elder Goss. So I've been lucky that Gosses usually in my experience are pretty good. It's a lot of other Pokemon that aren't very good. Well, they're good, but the people who play them are just like, not. <laughs> like the Zero Auras. <laughs> Zero Auras can either do one of two things. They can actually they score and get KOs, or they just run in and feed the other team over and over and over again. 
Oh, yeah. I think most of my zero ores, like, try to, if someone's already jungling, like, they set, oh, I'm going to the central area, they try to steal it. And that's happened a lot to me, and then I'm like, okay, I guess I'll switch to a lane, and then they do nothing as a jungler. <laughs> I've had, I've had zero ores steal from my lane, and then I go into their jungle, and they'll start pinging me to retreat as I'm going <laughs> through their jungle. I'm like, hey, man, you took my food. I'm going, I'm going to take yours. You not it's a team game <laughs> not not a not a zero aura character is the only pokemon game so what are some of the strategies we've been alluding to this idea of like bad players are annoying to play with right but like what the heck are some of the things that make a good team or some of the things that you do that help your team to win for people who might be listening to this and are like us where it's like it's the first moba I know as a team, Carpades Rats has dove pretty headfirst into it. So a lot of the players on the team are higher than average. But uh, what are some of those strategies that you would like people to just know about? Pair up. Find a person and stay with them. You, can two on, you will win most two-on-one fights. Bad players will go away. They'll run off, and then they'll get picked off. And so, like, if you pair up with something that works really well with you, and then you keep running together, just stay together, you'll get those pickoffs, and then you'll get your scores, and things will work. And then at some points, you'll be running four, and then you just run over the other team, like, once you start learning the rotation to it. And it just helps you so much more. To go off of that real quick, pairing up is ridiculously important. Uh, Zach is 100% right. But please... If your opponent has like a nine tails or something rangy, don't stick together or else you're just going to get, you know, these area of effect attacks are just going to take out both of you at the same time. So yeah, pair up, but like leave just enough space so you don't get completely bodied by, you know, a Pikachu, a Venusaur, a nine tails, something like that. Smartly pair up yeah. <laughs> or also, yeah, even, even delve further into it. If you're playing Snorlax, don't pair up with a Crustle. You want to split your two between between the points. So, Snorlax works well with like Cramorant. Me and me and Gamer can can attest to that. We did that last night. Mm-hmm. He stayed back, and I went up, pushed people around, uh, slammed them, and he just kept shooting them with fish and Pikachu's all day. And well, I don't remember how many KOs you got that game, but we just we ended up winning. Yeah, I think going off of that, uh, just laning in general, it's just. Like, a really simple mistake is just two on top, two on bottom, and one in the jungle is just really all you have to do early game. Obviously, you're going to get those games in solo queue where two people are going to go and try to go in the jungle at the same time. And usually I have to, like, try to ping them, like, oh, this one person that's alone needs backup. And then eventually, sometimes they go down. Another... uh, there's like a lot of beginner mistakes that I know a lot more about than like advanced tactics and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, one like big thing is just like for the first Dreadnought fight, you all want to be there because getting the shield and the experience from that Dreadnought is extremely crucial because even one person just staying at the top lane doing whatever they want uh is it can make a huge difference in the team fight cuz the first rotom isn't 
really that important. Treadmills are more important. And one thing I've learned as the game's moved on is your first goal doesn't matter. I don't mean first scoring goal, but like, you know how you have the two on the outside, then two in the middle, then you have one at the very end by your base. When Zapdos pops up and the two times pops up, you're like really okay if those end ones have already been destroyed. Because then like, they're just so easy for someone to drop a hundred into while everyone's in this mess of like Zapdos and stuff. So like one of the things of the trepidations I think people have is like, if I rotate from the top down to the bottom, they're going to score. It's kind of like, if they destroy the first base, that's like not the end of the world. Because then that's just less you have to defend at the end game when you're able to actually make that push at the end. And they're not going to drop these massive hundred, you know, scores on you. Well, that actually even goes into uh, knowing what your what your teammates have on points. Mm -hmm. There was a situation last night where Book and I were running up to the same point, and I I yell at him, "Let me score! Let me score! Let me score!" Because it was double points, it had seventy, and I only had thirty on me, and he was coming in with a hundo. So we scored one hundred and sixty on one goal instead of him scoring a hundred, and then me trying to find a place to drop the sixty. Yes, that's a huge deal. Like looking at the whole map and because it says how many your not just your teammates, but your opponents have too. So like yeah. if you're defending, you know who to defend from in those last two minutes. You're like, I'm gonna let the the 25 can break the goal, but the 50, I'm gonna stop you so they score less, right? Or the same thing with your teammates, like you said. That was a great example. Yeah, and I don't think most people realize that the goals don't just hold 80, 100, and then unlimited. They hold the break at those numbers. Mm-hmm. So stopping it, stopping it at one and then coming back in with a 40 gives you like the extra 39 points that you wouldn't have gotten before. Yes. And it's always so much easier to score on the outer goals than on the inner goals. So sometimes just even if you have a four and the goal has four left, maybe you don't dunk it. Maybe you just kind of save it and let someone dunk it when you have a little bit more, right? Exactly. I would, I would actually argue that on the bottom one if it's early enough to break it because then it makes taking the dreadnought easier because they don't have a place to retreat to get berries or heal yes that is a good point the if top you... one leave it bottom one take it yeah because after the first dreadnought if you can push and destroy that goalpost they have nowhere to retreat for the second dreadnought to heal up and it's a huge advantage now what are the differences between the top and the bottom lane? Because this is something I'm still unsure of as a whole. I just know I like when my lax goes to the bottom because it's so slow to actually get to Dreadnought, so it feels like I can have more of an impact. But what the heck is the top versus bottom lane supposed to be? Uh, if I remember correctly, because I sometimes, sometimes get confused on myself, the bottom lanes has more experience, so you can level higher. The top one has less, but it, you can farm points quicker. Mm -hmm. Greg, anything to add, top versus bottom lane? Yeah, the bottom has, I think, has that, like, that top Adino that's like in between that you want to fight for, that, which is five points. And then the top lane has like that middle core fish, which is only three points. If you, if you want another tip is to like try to steal their experience and get like the last hit on the things that are shared between the teams, because that gives you a little bit of an advantage over them in levels. 
Oh yeah. So when you're running up, for example, you go a palm, a palm, double a palm, and then a palm spawns at top and bottom, and then a core fish in the middle, and then you get to your opponent's side. You obviously KO all the a palms on the way there, but then once you hit the end, go to the core fish, skip that last a palm, and that's usually a good play. Sometimes. You can make a cute little play depending how good your teammates are and how much communication you've got where you can give them the core fish and you go steal their top APOM. And you know, there's some cute stuff that you can make off of that as well. But usually rush to that APOM or rush to that odd no that's like right in the center is a, a go-to strat because if you can get it, you can be a little bit higher than them. You can evolve a little bit before they do, which is a huge deal. That even leads into like uh, who takes the final hit. Mm -hmm. Um if you're playing like if I'm playing Snorlax, I know I need to get to six. But if I if I have a um, Lucario with me, I let the Lucario take the final hits on the first ones because he's going to get his ability faster, and Power Up Punch is going to do do a lot more than my my butt stomp will. And I'll get there. Like I'm not I'm not not hitting the things, but I'm giving him the more experience. Mm -hmm. And then so then he gets to that that better ability quicker. So especially since he gets it at five and I get mine at six. And some people would would actually argue and say flip it. But what works for me is that. So like I'll hit, I'll hit, and then I leave that last sliver and let let the whoever needs it take it. And it can even be the opposite where I need to take it. So like having that having knowing having that knowledge really helps uh sets your early game tone a lot better. I think adding on to that. For the things that are like shared in between the middle, I think you should both go for it just so at least one of you hopefully gets it. Right. You're, you're mostly talking, you're mostly talking about the monkeys in the lane. Yeah. And to go off of that, it's really important to know not just your character, but other characters. So knowing that Crustal and Vulpix are going to evolve soon. And sometimes if you're paired with a Vulpix or you're paired with a Dwebble, being like, I'm going to let you farm a little bit. And again, I'm a Snorlax main. I don't evolve. They'll be like, I need you to evolve sooner. So you are competent when we actually get to the lane. Or we actually have to fight for the bees or something like that. So just that knowledge of, like Doom said, knowing Lucario gets its move at five is a huge deal. Because sometimes you're just like, okay, Lucario, you take the last hit. So you get your move. So you can help me get to Heavy Slam sooner. Is Right. Yeah. <laughs> And, and also knowing how well you do early game. Snorlax is actually a good attack early game, but by end of game, he's, his, his damage just flatlines. But early game, it hits for a lot. Like that tackle hit in, into a crit, I've taken most of my KOs come from someone overextending. And if you, have, if you notice, Snorlax clears the lane the quickest. Mm -hmm. You can get to the middle before it spawns with Snorlax. Oh yeah. Lax is a... Uh... I'm team lax. <laughs> but the trade-off for it is that by end of the game, you're not, you have the hardest time trying to collect points. Yes. But by then, by, by, the, by then you're supposed to be a meat shield and using block and using heavy slam and helping everyone else out take the KOs. And that's another good, knowing what people do and when they do it. Knowing Snorlax's block immobilizes enemies and a good Snorlax shoves them against the wall, right? teammates right. that's your job to go finish them off because snorlax doesn't do damage Slowbro, same thing Slowbro's telekinesis it holds it up in the air and does zero damage that's your cue to go start smacking them so knowing what your teammates abilities are is also super important 
ranged attackers love Snorlax. Yes. Oh, not Snorlax, um, Slowbro. Sorry. They love it because Telekinesis has a slight bug with some character, physical characters that have to be within a certain range. Mm. Like, you have to be, like, really up close with Lucario to get it to work. Whereas in, like, Cinderace, Cramoran, or whatever, they don't have to get anywhere near as close, and they can keep spamming and hitting. Yeah, kick the fireballs at them. <laughs> Easy. I do love range attackers. It feels so good to just like sit back and just keep pummeling people. And then you just bait them into your team the whole time. So as, as much as I love Lax, like Ninetales and Greninja felt pretty good for those reasons of like, I'm just going to start hitting you. And then as soon as they come at you, you're just like, mom. And then the rest of the team converges in on them as they fall. I've had, <laughs> I've had it as a strategy, a Snorlax. After I score, I'll take a. I'll try to run across the top and let them all hit, keep hitting me. Maybe hit my unite move if I have it. Just let them focus on me. All three, four of them, as I'm sitting here as a meat shield, as the rest of my team's able to come in. Mm -hmm. I had a game earlier today. I did that. I hit, I hit my unite. I got up. They ran me over. But then my team came in. They wasted all their moves. Everything else. Everything was in cooldown. So, so we took a, we took a three for one trade. I I died, but we took three of theirs. So hard to disagree with that one because in the end it is a team game you mentioned earlier i think it was you doom like i don't know how people solo into masters i also don't know because it seems like the games are so important on like all five of us have to be doing generally something correct like even at the lower ladder where i'm at like yeah you're gonna misplay you're gonna overextend and stuff occasionally but like if your team's just like, hey, let's go jungle while Dreadnought's up, then you probably lose the game because the team should all be at the same place at the same time for something like that. Yeah, and it's amazing how petty players can get. Like, I, I was even talking about how petty I get earlier. <laughs> they'll, they'll get petty and just, like, leave or not do anything. Or you get the players who spam uh, uh, concede once five, five minutes hits. <laughs> They're actually, they might be spamming because their mom's calling them home or calling them to dinner or something, but, you know, they feel like it's, 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 it's over, it's doomed, we've lost a goal, and we haven't taken one of theirs yet. Let's just call it quits. And even the, like, we're really struggling, those passive-aggressive notes, shout out to Reddit for being useful for once. Someone figured out that the we're really struggling is as few as a hundred point difference. Which is non-existent yeah. until the end, right? Because you can just score that in a single goal at the end of the game. Zapdos is broken. It's it will swing a game. You have to learn how to play defense with Zapdos. Yeah, that's the biggest thing. If you have, if your team has a huge lead, you don't start attacking it. You just wait in the bushes. Just wait for them to come to you. Because once their team starts attacking it, they're taking damage from Zapdos, and then it's easier for you to pick it, pick each of them off. Or even if they kill it, like kill Zapdos, they could be at like really low health, and then you just destroy their whole team. That happened then, to me in a game earlier today. We we snuck in, took it, but we were under leveled, and they just massacred us, and none of us got to got the score. And then they just went in, had all the time in the world to score. Oh yeah. Zapdos doesn't actually score the points. I think people have misunderstood that because they see the screenshots on Twitter or whatever of like, oh, Zapdos swung the game. KOing Zapdos doesn't score. You still have to go score, so you can still stop them. 
Yeah, that's where that's where a good Snorlax can come in. That's where a, a right a good timed unite move comes in. Like a, I've watched a single Cramorant massacre another team. <laughs> he just he's like it's fish time and he just hits it right when they take the Zapdos and then they have nothing, no one, nothing left. I think yeah, it also comes. You have to know your characters like fast it moves because I know like so many characters like need that eject button. Even if it's just to score the Zapdos points, if you like yeah. unite move, you can like move a lot quicker. Like Ninetales is pretty slow character, but if you unite move and have your eject button, you're gonna score the 100 points. Exactly, and it, it became so obvious that eject button was the only item you should be using that they're nerfing it tonight. Yeah, what are our thoughts on the nerf? They're increasing the uh, what's it called time. Oh my They're increasing the, the respawn time. There we go. The yeah. cooldown. So I think that's a good move. Uh, there's been plenty of times where I've gotten into a fight and then we, we separate and then we come back and they got their eject button ready, ready again. And so again, they can come up. We, we just kind of smack each other and then pop, pop. We both go in our own separate, separate directions. I think it's, it's too good to like even switch off of. Like I'm still going to use it. It's, I'm just going to be more cautious with it. Right. I think the, the, the buff to X power might help. Uh, it helped early in the game, and then people really figured, found out eject button worked better. Because uh, then it makes stuff like Gengar stronger, it, with, especially with the buffs coming to Garchomp. Garchomp might actually be viable. Maybe. we got to see what the buffs are, how faster it moves. It, if, it, if it can start running things down, then that's going to be scary. Like a lot of times you go up against a guard chomp and it's like, oh, I'm going to get you. And you just kind of run away. And it, like, <laughs> I've run away as a Snorlax and it can't even catch me. <laughs> Poor guard. Even heavy, even heavy Slam, like, lets you <laughs> retreat really easily. Yeah. So the, the boss and nerfs will be interesting. I'm glad that they're doing it like bi uh, weekly and it's coming in and still tweaking with that. Like, after they adjusted Hex, I see a lot less Gengars. Yeah, and Gengar doesn't seem anywhere near as powerful, which is good because it was really powerful. Really powerful, yeah. Really? Yeah, I, get, I mained a Gengar before. And even afterwards, I can still play him and I can still get like 10 plus kills a game. It's just now I just can't spam it as hard. I have to be a little bit more conscious. Imagine not, having to think. I know. Instead, <laughs> instead of just going R, ZR the whole time, now I have to do. I have to like aim and then ZR the whole time. So, initially, there was quite a bit of controversy of this idea of held items and how expensive they are to get leveled up, and oh, the game's pay to win because blah blah blah. Now that we've been at it for a month, what are your thoughts on the idea of free to play versus pay to win? Have you all spent any money on the game? And if you did, did you do it for any real reason? Like, I got, so shout out to Pokemon. They sent me for some free gems to stream the game. And uh, I used it to buy my Snorlax and floaties. So <laughs> that was my, <laughs> that was what I used the money for. <laughs> like a responsible player. I, I have spent money and I spent it all to uh, update, upgrade all my items. Like if I'm, if I'm spending money, that's what, what I'm going into is the item upgrades. Not floaties. It's just, I got the floaties because I opened, because of the energy things you open. I, I all I keep getting is like socks, so it keeps giving me like 
fashion things and other things back. So I was able to go get the floaties for free. Nice. <laughs> I think, yeah, at first everyone was, I think the items were like huge controversy. Everyone's like, oh, these are broken. You need these to get master rank or higher rank or whatever. And, and now I've heard from a ton of like top players from like a top team uh, that the items don't really matter. It, as long as, like, it's 15 to 20 is a fine item level. It's really just about your team, especially if you're in a five stack. Maybe you can get level 30 items to try to carry your solo queue teams, but you don't need it to get the master. I haven't spent any money yet. Gamer, correct me if I'm wrong, because I know you were watching the same stream I was. It was the five-person team who won the GG Tour event. The Snorlax was 20-20-20 for items, right? Not 30? Yeah, I think it was 20-20-20. I think a lot of their team was only around that level. Yeah. So it, it's clearly not necessary to buy all these item enhancers. After 20, the, the changes start to become, like, insignificant. Like muscle band at one versus twenty, it's like a almost a ten percent increase. Muscle band between twenty and thirty is like a two. Oh yeah. So it's like the yeah. math. The math becomes real. It just doesn't add up anymore. And getting items of twenty hasn't been that difficult. Again, I'm like technically free to play if you don't count the floaties. And uh, I've got four items at twenty right now. Unfortunately, I didn't level up all the correct items because at first everyone's like, oh, leftovers on Snorlax is broken and I've got stupid leftovers at level 20, which is like fine. They're just not, there's better stuff out there. That was like the one thing I didn't level up. Good play. Because everyone was like, oh, this is really good. And now it's just, I replaced it with Buddy Barrier, which is for anyone listening and you're like, what should I level up? I don't care who your main is. Buddy Barrier is probably the correct answer. Yeah, Buddy Barrier... Focus band, muscle band. Score shield is really good too. Score like shield is a supporter. Yeah. I, I'm trying out score shield on my Snorlax. And today I dunked a 50 and they, everyone hit me. They, they just, everybody hit me and I still scored. <laughs> I was like, try, <laughs> try. But on top of that, I, I was wearing score shield, Rocky helmet, assault vest. So my health was insanely high already. And on top of that, the assault vest gave me a protection against special attacks, and the rocky helmet was doing damage as they were attacking me. It was it was meant to be a giant, again, meat shield, which it is. Yeah, yeah. Score shield's the next one that I want. After watching other streamers play with score shield, it's like, wait, this is really good. Just like knowing that you can go dunk, and you're so thick that you can run away with no issue. Is like this seems really good because dunking gives you XP in addition to a little bit of healing, which is cool. So just like that mm-hmm. extra little bit of XP that you can get in addition to helping your team win, seems really really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems good on everything that's not like really squishy, like <laughs> speedsters or something like that. Well, even speedsters. Uh, speedsters. I actually use it on a Lucario occasionally, just because I find that. He's just got enough that he can score like with a twenty mm-hmm. or or a fifteen. Anything higher than that, the score shield doesn't really work. Yeah, shield is very good. Buddy barrier, 
It gives you a shield when you use your Unite move, and you should be using your Unite move at all the important times in the game when your team is together. Because it also gives uh, one other person, I think the lowest HP, a shield as well, correct? Correct. That's, how it That's works. what Buddy Bear. Yeah. So it's like it gives you a shield, it gives your lowest HP teammate a shield, and if you stay alive in the team battle and they stay alive in the team battle, you probably win. So Buddy Barrier is definitely the... Uh, <laughs> I, I'm a huge fan. Ever since getting it, I was like, wait, this is filthy. Yeah, it's like super important... Like, if you take Zapdos and then someone has, like, really low health, if you can give them a shield, that might give them enough time to score those 100 points. Oh, yeah. And then that's, like, really big. Yes. I'd say the three items I haven't touched are Leftovers, AO, AO's Cookie, and Experience Share. And Experience Share is the type that, like, some people run it on things like Eldegoss and are like, it's very good, but it seems super niche. Yeah. So if anyone out there is like, wait, Eldegoss or EXP share is good on my main? Probably. Probably. But specifically just your main, just like Eldegoss. Or probably. Otherwise, I'm at, otherwise I'm at 20 with all my, all my other items. I'm, I'm close-ish to 20 because I wasted... Uh, floatstone to level 17, or I probably could have got like four yes. ice at level 20 now. If, if I didn't do the floatstone, I if I learned it earlier, I wouldn't put it to 20. That's it would be it would be it would be there with experience share leftovers and AOS cookie. Yeah, that's because I remember floatstone, everyone's like, wait, it's really good because you can run away, but now everyone's like, why would it ever be active? You should always be farming or battling like the whole game. Yeah, it was in the beta, it, it worked, and some one of the things I read was in the beta, it had like a, a better a better active time, mm -hmm. and so that was something that just kind of came over. It's like, oh yeah, yeah, we used it all the time, but then they kind of nerfed it, and now it's useless. Yeah, it's a... Uh, there's a lot of us who listen to the original people who are like, these are the best things, and uh, a little worse than uh we were expecting them to be but yeah do either of you know at the end of the season which is five weeks from now you get rewards based on your rank yes on your highest achieved ranking okay so do either of so, you have know more about that because i don't think you just uh, get tickets from what i've seen it's tickets or item enhancers it's well <laughs> those may as well be the same thing yeah, it's it all it all goes into that. Um, it's again equivalent to your level. I think if you get master, it's enough to like level something up to level thirty. A single item to level thirty—that's pretty good. Yeah. It's, so getting getting those higher levels gets you more tickets, and then it works a lot out a lot better for you. So I've got five weeks to get to master, so I, then I can. Get the rest, the rest of those. I'll be shocked if I make it master. <laughs> I don't play enough. You can get the five stack going and be at least decent. I'm sure we'll get there. There we go. Just let four very good people carry someone who can follow direction. That's the that's deal. that's actually probably the majority of master. I, I play with I play with enough masters who sit there and just feed the other team the whole time. And then they sit there and they like spam the chat. They're like, like, retreat, retreat, I need help, I need help. I'm like, 
you just keep running in. Like, you run past all of us and die. Yeah, that's for anyone listening who's still, like, a little unsure on some stuff. That is one of the worst things you can do is go too far. We said the word overextend earlier. Because then, A, you get KO'd. But when you get KO'd, you give them XP. You have one less person in your lane. And it can snowball really, really quick. Yeah, do not fight them when there's two of them at the goalpost healing and you're all by yourself. <laughs> Even if they run back with like one HP, they're going to be fine because they're just going to heal from the goalpost and you're not going to kill them. Exactly. Yes. Uh, you can KO with the goalpost if it's like a two-on-one against something squishy or a three-on-one. But a one-on-one? Uh, you better be really high leveled and they better have almost no HP left to even hope that's going to happen. Here's another thing. If you are running over another team, don't get cocky. Because if they do knock you out, say you're 14 and a 10 knocks you out, they will jump to level 13. And now you've lost that advantage. And then I've watched games swing hard because the, the 14s or 13s, whatever, get real, like, I'm just going to run you over. I'm just going to go and get this goal. And then the four 10s beat them up. And all of a sudden, those 10s all got high experience. And you're out for even longer time because the longer you're alive, the longer your respawn timer is. Oh. I've had a game where I got knocked out at a minute 30. And that was the first time I got knocked out. And I was out for 60 seconds. Oof. There's nothing like watching people at Zapdos, all five individually go separately from each other, and you just pick them off as a team one by one. And it's like, it's cool that you all were over leveled, but five on one's gonna win pretty much every time, even if you're two or three levels lower than they are. Which exactly. I think goes off the cocky of like, bro, I'm level 14, I can take on these things. And it's like, no, no, you can't, because I'm gonna block you into a wall while everyone else punches you in the face. I think the overextending thing mostly happens after you destroy the first point. If you, like, if your team gets dreadnought and then you destroy the first goal point, some people are like, oh, I still have 30s and 40s. So they're going to try to rush to the second bottom goal post. And there's like, a, say, that they have a jump pad still. So they can still stun you and jump in and then just all rush you and just gain levels off of that when you really should just be rotating the rotum. Well, it doesn't hurt to push them back. Like, yeah. get 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 them back and then pull back yourself. Right. Because if if you're if like one or two break off and rotate to the rotom, and the other three are pushing, and keeping them occupied, that gives them more gives your team more time to get the rotom. Yeah, as long as you don't die and push too hard. Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't <laughs> overextend it. Yeah. The situational awareness in this specific situation is ridiculously important. Go up and start pressing X. Why aren't I scoring? Why aren't I scoring? As they jump pad on you four or five times and then you're dead. (laughs) You just get farmed. You lose the 40 or you lose like what half of the 40 that you had. And yeah, you can't just automatically be like Dreadnought gave me a shield. We're good to go. Although sometimes it works like Doom said, sometimes you push back and they just they can't handle it. But it's like, ooh, you really have to be on top of your game because if you go just a little too far in that situation, because I've seen it happen, it's like, oh, we just got far. Sick. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. What are the thoughts on Rotom also? Is Rotom like 
good? Should Rotom be better? Because right now Dreadnought seems like it's way better, right? Rotom is good right before the two minute mark. If you can get the Rotom um, and time it well enough, that is like a mini Zapdos right 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 at the two minute mark. Yeah. I've won games for getting Rotom there. He comes in. I believe it actually doubles his points. I don't remember. I haven't done it enough to see because a lot of times I get it like a 201 mm-hmm. and then it doesn't matter. It hits and then he's got that little timer on there. I can come in and score Hundo. So then whatever. So that's at least maybe 120. That's like the only time I ever see like Rotom being good. Other times it's like it, it, maybe some points, maybe a little bit of experience. But I've had times where I've just let him get the Rotom, let it score, move on. Yep. Yeah, especially when the other team's not even following the Rotom. It doesn't matter that it drops a 20 on you. It's like, okay, whatever. I'm going to go worry about other stuff. Like, you can score. The other team went somewhere else. I'm going to go farm. Rotom, go do your thing, right? It can be a, a good distraction. You send it off, and then you run. You rotate down to try to get the Dreadnought while they're sitting there. If they're worried about that Rotom, mm-hmm. and it's just like they're like, "Oh my god, I gotta stop this!" and it takes a while to stop it, and you're just down there. Hey, thanks, Dreadnought. You're mine now. Like after the first Dreadnought, you can like, all rotate and push up to the Rotom, and even if you get it, you can just you can maybe leave like two there. Maybe they can score like a forty point with the Rotom boost, and then like the next Dreadnought, you just go, you rush back down, and Hopefully outnumber them because they're distracted by trying to kill you or the Rotom or both. Or then you just have the more people at the bottom sooner than they do. There's an interesting game or game uh, games I've been running into where nobody ever gets the Dreadnought. It's just a constant fight back and forth and nobody ever gets the Dreadnought. And then that's actually where the Rotom comes in. Someone finally decides I'm going to go get that Rotom. Gets the extra points. Everyone else has just been murdering each other over the Dreadnought. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, okay, I guess we're going to Zapdos now. And everyone just murders each other at Zapdos. And that Rotom comes the difference maker. It's interesting when the team fights are actual team fights. And not just like individuals who overextend and get picked off by like a squad of three. Mm -mm. Mm Mm-mm. It's it's a lot more fun when it's going back forth, back forth. Like okay, oh, okay, now they got their unite move, and then I come in with my Snorlax and this and that, and Dreadnought sitting there with the popcorn, going, going, yes, bloodshed for me. Yeah, a lot of the time, if you have two competent teams, both team fighting Dreadnought, then usually they maybe one Dreadnought gets defeated, and like that's pretty much it. They'll sometimes get it's both teams just finally say, say, you know what, I'm done. And they both just rush Dreadnought and hope to be the one that hits the final. That too. <laughs> Which, I mean, it's going to work for one of the two teams at least. <laughs> Any other thoughts on Unite's tips for people who might be playing? General critiques? Um... Report function works if you it, for sometimes don't most people will report the voice chat actually I've had a uh, if they idle and it is somebody actually idling or the, at the end of the game like they vote to quit and then they just sit in the sit in there and, and move around it they actually do check that 
the computer checks where they're going. They've they've extended the parameters. So if they're not leaving the spawn now, it will actually hit them for idling, and it will message you when it's confirmed. And I've had quite a few of those recently. Nice. Yeah, I think one tip is if you can if you can not solo queue, if you can get a group of five or maybe even a trio, it's way more enjoyable than solo queuing and tilting about your teammates. Even a five stacks will pair you against usually like other five stacks, so it's going to be really like challenging. But if you're all competent and know what you're doing, it's going to save you that frustration from people not like that one person who doesn't rotate from Dreadnought. At least you're all doing what you should be doing. And then if there's always going to be the RNG of Zapdos. So my biggest thing would be uh you don't have to play rank. I think if you enjoy the gameplay, don't be afraid to be like, I'm just gonna play standard a lot. And I say this as someone who that's usually my go-to is if I play three or four games a night, I will very often not even touch rank because I just enjoy playing the game. And even if, yeah, the people I'm playing with and against aren't necessarily the best, although you occasionally run into some very good or high-ranked players in the unranked version, presumably trying out different characters. Like, the game just, it's still fun. It is still a fun game. So if you're someone who's like, oh, I'm getting really tilted at ranked, you can just play the unranked and still have fun. Because sometimes you need to do that. Sometimes you need to step away from the ranked ladder and be like, all right, you know what? They've paired me with three beginners the last couple games. Like, I need to not touch this for a little while. <laughs> Quick battle is good as well, especially when you find out like Regigigas is in the game, <laughs> Avalug. You can kill Letabuzz. Snom. Uh, Snom. You can go you can go kick some actual butt. Kick some ice butt. Um, you also get fifty uh, tickets a day for doing a quick battle, which again is fun. If you enjoy the game, you should enjoy playing the game, right? And 50 right. tickets a day is a lot. Because every week, that's uh, 350, which is, uh, what, 35 item enhancers? Yeah, that's a yeah. Oh, pretty yeah. quick. For very yeah. little and, investment of time. It's a five-minute game. And it's a, a very chaotic game. Yes. There's, there is no such thing as lanes. It's just... Oh God, where is everything? What can I, what can I KO? How do I score? It's also for those of you filthy Garchomp players who are sick of getting farmed in uh, actual games because your Gibble's trash. Quick games are for you because you level up so fast and there's actually not that many fights against the opponent. You can actually be like, you can actually Garchomp people to death. It's, <laughs> it's pretty fun. Yeah, Garchomp's Unite move is really, uh, really good in that that one because like all the poke, all the the points like they kind of just like stack together a little bit, or they're in a nice kind of row. So then you just continue down your little little tantrum and then get get a whole bunch of points. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm just waiting for Blastoise. That's my big. I expect I expect it with the mobile release. I hope so. I'm sitting on seven k coins. It's like I want my turtle, please. It's my favorite starter. At one point, I was at twenty-two k coins, and then I spent it on Snorlax and some other things. Gee, and uh, and now I've already got like enough to get Blastoise when it comes out. Nice. I was at twenty-eight k yesterday because I think I only bought I oh yeah I only bought the crustal and then I just used 
everything else that was free. And but yesterday I bought the Cramorant to hopefully up our five stack that we're getting going. It's yeah, I haven't played enough with Cramorant yet. I bought it early, and I, I, I have issues zoning, I guess, with it. Whereas in Snorlax, after I got it, I picked it up really quickly. Cramorant from watching people seems like a solid play, especially now that they're going to nerf Ninetales, so Snow Warning will no longer hit opponents who are hiding. Which is one of its best things, right? Because you're like, oh, sick, there's someone in that bush. Now I can make a move. Losing that really sucks for Ninetales. So Cramorant might, might jump up to a, a pretty high ranking. When they say Cramorant's an expert like play, it really is. Like You need to really know what you're doing with it. Oh, yeah. You have to steal experience from the opponent's early game like one of the key factors and using whirlwind to like push them up and then your team just destroys them is super fun mm-hmm. are you gonna get some questions about twitch chat sure cool i don't know slapjacks 13 asks what do you put in your coffee i pour my coffee out and replace it with, with some coke zero <laughs> I don't drink coffee, so <laughs> mostly water. I can tell you what my wife drinks. She <laughs> drinks a white chocolate mocha with coconut milk. So I only drink coffee on vacations, which I feel like is the opposite of everyone else. Everyone else drinks coffee to get through the work day and then vacation just vibes. But you know, how, like hotels always have coffee makers. I'm like, I want to get my $800 worth of hotel out of this. I'm going to make my complimentary coffee. And uh, I drink it black. I like the bitterness. It's very good. What you do with those coffee makers is you go get yourself some ramen noodles and you pop that sucker in there. No. (laughs) (laughs) Bro, no ramen. Horshi asks... Do you guys expect any TCG news for the Pokemon Direct tomorrow? No, they almost never do. Have we ever no. had TCG news for a Direct? Not that I can remember. They might have. They might. At best, they might run an ad for Evolving Skies, like whatever the CGI ad is they have for this one. And that's about it. Yeah. I'm expecting, uh, what is it? BDSP, Brilliant Diamond, Shining Pearl information and something from arceus and that's probably it maybe we'll see some new forms in arceus like something like vintage forms or something Mm -hmm. but other than that that might affect the card game way further down yeah but for now no bob mcdougall asks what is the better deck post rotation zashian inteleon or rapid strike urshifu inteleon I've had better experience with Zashin Inteleon right now going post-rotation, but that's because the Inteleon engine's so broke, and I can, I can chain attacks a lot easier. Um, but I haven't played it against much Rapid Strike yet, and I have no idea what Ra- Rapid Strike does to it. I think Rapid Strike's a really, really strong card, especially with the bench damage, so I'm going to go with that. I'm also just 
Rapid Strike feels like the BDIF. Zashin and Teleon is a good deck, especially going back to Raihan. You can just go get the energy, Metal Saucer, out of the deck and then attach, and then bam, there's your one card powered up Zashian. So very good. But I just think Rapid Strike is the BDIF. I'm ordering my Rapid Strikes so that I have them because I'm probably going to play it moving forward. That's my thoughts. I was also thinking Ice Rider and um, Inteleon. They like the other two I've been looking into. Inteleon mm. because it has the weaker spread, but I was doing the math against Rapid Strike, and depending on if they're using the Inteleon, if they're using the, the Inteleon engine, you you can win. Yeah. You can actually win quicker than they can. Being able to KO Sobble is very nice. Energy, den- energy denial is nice as well. If they can't get the, the three on there, they're never attacking your bench. You're forcing them to go through a VMAX before they get to anything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like Inteleon as well. The decks that I'm planning for post-rotation as far as like what to try would be Rapsarker Ishfu for obvious reasons, Inteleon VMAX, and Delmai's Rillaboom, because I love me some boom. Dude, Delmize has been a lot more fun of a deck than I thought it would have been. The first attack, Swinging Chain, is really nice. It's won me games. Oh, yeah. Like, like yeah. I, was, I, was, I was against an Eternatus who, like, hid their Eternatus on the bench. Like, oh, you can't hit me for 90. I'm like, I already hit you for 90. Yep. <laughs> so many people seem to forget <laughs> what the attack does. Or We're all you. talking about bench damage from Urshifu, but we should be really worried about Delmize. This rotation. Yeah, we should. The thing hits hard. Charizard Best asks, what is the best EX art you can remember? Doom, I have a strong feeling this is leaning heavily towards you as the professional artist of us, but we're going to let you go last because you know what actual art is. I'm going to say Mitsuhiro Arita's alternate art, secret rare, Gyarados EX with the Greninja and the Manaphy, I think, is the other Pokemon. It might be a Fione, but I think it's Manaphy. It's my favorite. Yes, I'm aware that it looks like they kind of copy and pasted the Greninja and the Manaphy on there to make it look cooler. I don't care. I absolutely love that art. It is so, so, so good. In fact, on my Twitch channel, if you go down to the description, I've got a picture of it as my favorite card art because it's what got me back into the game when I saw it. I was like, wait, Pokemon cards look cooler now. I want them again. Gamer of yours before we let the artist go. Not too sure. I I think I think I like the Radiant Collection arts a lot. Mm. Those were pretty cool arts. No like specific uh art that I saw on the top of my head. Uh for me, it would be uh the Shaman EX uh alternate art for the setup, the one with Rayquaza on it, where it's kind of diving towards you and Rayquaza's in the background, breaking the frame. It's a very dynamic card, and it feels like it's the grandfather to our current alternate arts, where they're starting to tell a little bit more of a story, a little bit more more towards it. Like You can even say like the Gyarados with the Rage one, where it's popping out of the lake and the Fisherman. Those are all kind of like the predecessors to what the amazing cards we're getting now. Fun fact, those are the Shamans that I play with. Because for some reason they were cheaper than the regular art shamans when I bought them. When I bought them, they had long since rotated. It was purely expanded. 
But I remember looking yeah. and I was like, these are 50 cents cheaper and they look cooler. Let's go with those. Yeah. And they came from a hundred dollar box. I like, I'm like, like, okay, it's a promo, but it's a hard to get promo. Oh yeah. Well, people love the end from that box. That was one of the big. Yeah. Get wrecked asks. Raihan. Which Inteleon deck will not run a Raihan? And uh I'm trying to think of what will run Inteleon. So Zacian will run Inteleon, Rapid Strike, Ice Rider, uh Inteleon will run Inteleon. For sure. I'm not sure what else will run Inteleon. Yeah, Zach, I have a but for sure those four. Victini, I guess, would run Inteleon as well. Oh wait, you can power up a Victini in one turn. Now we're talking. Um, you could Melanie though. Melanie to my Victini. Yeah. Were you there when I was trying that in current standard? I was not. No. It was working really, really well. And it shouldn't have worked. It was Ice Rider and Victini in the same deck with Welders and. <laughs> melanie's and it went like eight and two but also i just beat the ladder so i was like this isn't actually good and then azul stopped dude so i could never submit it for dude day need more dude days but i think raihan's in every deck because it lets you gmax rapid flow in a single turn obviously mm -hmm. like if they ko your sobble so you use uh keep calling they ko it you could potentially just go drizzle plus Octillery, grab the Rapid Strike energy, grab... No, you just grab the Raihan off the Drizzile, and then you grab the Rapid Strike. Okay, wait. I like this card. Seems super okay. good. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember. Karate Belt rotates, right? Yes, Karate Belt's gone. Yeah, okay, so... Pog format, Raihan's gonna be even, even more broken. Because if you can get Karate Belt and energy, like, you could have a completely... completely fresh... VMAX coming in and just and doing the GMAX rapid flow. Albeit there will be Muse in the format, but if they're not playing it. Yeah, I think I think every deck would run at least one. Inteleon VMAX would be the only uh this hand advantage from a Melanie is really good, but you'd probably still run at least one, right? Because like drawing three cards is cool, but getting the exact card you need is sometimes just better. So yeah, the fact you can drizzle for either seems good. It will come down to if you need the Melanie or if you're going to be an energy short anyways and trying to get like a, a scope or some some other card you need. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think yeah. it's definitely a card. Every drizzle deck will probably run at least one of them. Obviously something has to be KO'd on the previous turn, but the fact that you can keep calling with Sobble and then if your opponent KOs the Sobble, boom, it's activated. You're good to go. If they don't KO the Sobble, sick. They didn't KO my Sobble. We're good to go. Like, it's kind of a nice little win-win there. Professor Elm asks, assuming Unite will be a part of Worlds 22, which presumably it will be. We never even talked about that Pokemon's probably going to make it competitive. Would you transition from TCG to Unite and try and earn invite in that? I would only because I am not able to go to as many TCG events to earn my worlds. And if it's the way I get there, then it's the way I get there. I'm still going to go for TCG, but I would still maybe play in like Unite events or 
if they have those and if I get an invite, that's cool, but I'd rather play in TCG. I'm 100% in TCG. I'm trash at Unite. I want to stream Unite still because I think it's a very fun game and a fun game to watch, but bro, there's no way I'm getting my invite in Unite. <laughs> I have, I get, I'd have I get, to have people carry me and coach me. I get too salty playing and I know mine's going to be full of swears and I try not to swear. So that's why I'm not streaming Unite right now. That's a responsible call. Yeah. Professor Poke asks, Gamer's opinion. Cool. So, uh, Doom, we don't matter. Gamer's opinion on Zappy, Necrozma, and Celebi Aurora package in post rotation Shadow Rider Al Creamy. Oh, so that's just the Zapdos V and Aurora energy? And yeah, just and then a Chrozma and apparently a Celebi, which I assume is the amazing rare Celebi that Celebi. does 30 for each energy on the opponent's active. Wait, why would you run that? What's weak to grass? Not sure what's weak to grass. Because Celebi V is just a bad card, right? And Celebi V Max is also just a bad card. I would. Oh, unless it's it... a Celebi that's stellar wish for energy. Let me see. I'm looking at the Celebes. The regular V from Sword and Shield base. Oh, my God. oh uh, Mind Force 50 plus 20 more damage for each of your bench Pokemon. I'm not sure what's Grass Week. Colossal. <laughs> I, could, <laughs> I could be missing something big, but I'm not really sure. Uh, Umbreon? Moltres? Oh, Moltres. I guess. It's Moltres. Is oh. the Marshadow illegal though? No, Marshadow rotates. Okay. I mean, maybe? I think. Shadow Rider's really losing a lot to actually be dark, because usually they're playing as the like Horror House and then maybe one shot it or stall something up with Horror House and then build up more energies. I think Shadow Rider is going to have a, a lot tougher time against Dark decks, even if they play out Creamy. I think the Zapdos is it's pretty good if E-Turn's still popular, but it's uh, more of a meta-call. Meta yeah. I, I'm unimpressed by the Celebi concept. The others seem fine. Necrozma V is a good card. Zapdos is a good card. But uh, I don't know if I can vibe with the Celebi. Kiki Kitty, and technically Roy John asked a very similar question. For Zach, how does one grow a beard long? Any tips for keeping a beard clean? Uh, you work on it for about 15 years. <laughs> I've been growing a beard. See, I started when I was about 17. I'm 35 now. Um, trimming uh, beard, uh, lots of beard oils, and knowing when to cut it. That sometimes... Sometimes it will just be too unruly and it just looks bad and just cut cut it back. I recently cut two inches off my own beard. I like it was just all wavy and bad. So I was just like, gone. One thing, and you see these people, especially at TCG events, but a lot of people seem to forget that their beard is hair and like mm. shampooing it is still good. Trimming dead ends off of it is still very good. Like these are all things that you should do with your regular hair. And uh, also with a beard. Yeah. 
I recommend only uh, shampooing your beard about once a week. If you do it too often, it you just you don't get any fullness to it. It just makes it way too fine. Mm. Locke asks, how often are you playing copycat in your VMAX decks? I play a one-of just for the Marnie copycat art. That's it. <laughs> I'm not actually using the card. I'll probably try one in post-rotation. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> I'll very safely say I'm not going to play a single Marnie. Sorry, a single copycat in any I'm of my decks. That. I'm 100% hold me to it. There's just so many better supporters out there. I'm Zinnia's Resolve. Oh, speaking of cards from Evolving Skies, I'm excited for Zinnia's. But, uh, I, bro, what are you copycatting? If you're playing against a Drizzile deck, they have like a four card hand because they search out one card a turn. Or they play Marnie and they have five cards. No, copycat's trash. Don't even bother. No. At least currently. Unless, I guess against Shadow Rider, but copycat trash. I'm going to play zero. All right. Uh, Zach, where can the people find you? Uh, you can find me at twitch.tv slash senior underscore doom. Uh, you can also find me at uh, Twitter, uh, uh, senior underscore doom as well. Um, I stream uh, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays currently. And with uh, Saturdays being a uh, illustration, if you ever want to see a, someone actually able to draw really quickly, that's a good stream to check out. Greg, where can the people find you? You can find me at Twitter at G-A-M-3-R-A-L-O. And of course myself, Twitch, Twitter, YouTube, at Mellow underscore Magikarp. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, don't forget to leave a like, comment down below, uh, tell Zach you love his beard or you hate it, that's fine too. He probably won't read the comments. And uh, if you're listening on Apple, make sure to leave a review because uh, that helps the algorithm and algorithms are our masters in this digital age. And if you're listening on somewhere else, if you can leave a review, do it. I know Spotify can't, but I think Google can. I don't know, man. Um, I listen on an app called Podcast Republic. I can leave reviews there, so I do. And uh, this has been another episode of the Lake of Rage podcast. Catch you all next week.